As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. It is a Sunday brunch edition, and we have another conference to talk about. Max Olson is here. We have actual Big Ten games to talk about, Max. And one in particular inspired, well, a lot of things. It inspired art. It inspired a gnashing of teeth across one fan base. Uh, it was it induced tears in the locker room. Lots of hugging. Uh, it brought about a national discussion of when it's okay to not score. In fact, when it's preferable to not score. <laughs> so, Max, what did you think about Indiana over Penn State in overtime on a two-point conversion with Michael Penix reaching the ball out for the pylon? He has now been superimposed on the top of the on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. I I absolutely loved it. I mean, like when when Ford scored for Penn State, and like you had that moment where guys are pointing at him, being like, "Yep, he scored. Count it. Let's count it. Give us the ball." Um, I was fired up because I was like, "I think they get like this isn't over. They, they're going to give Indiana a chance." And I kind of liked Indiana's chances of driving down and scoring, and at least having a shot on the two point conversion. But I mean, this is what that game. I'm sure you weren't planning to lead your your podcast off with it this week, Andy, but. This is the kind of game that makes us love this sport so much. You know, it's the crazy, all the crazy twists and turns in the final minutes of that game. Um, Like this is, I know it's heartbreaking for Penn State fans. I know they felt like they have a really good team this year. It doesn't mean they still can't. Um, But wouldn't you rather endure this misery than the misery of sitting on your couch watching all these other leagues playing? So getting your heart ripped out and having it shown to you while it's still beating preferable mm-hmm. to no football that is what you're that is what you're saying max it's it, it's the whole uh, it's better to have uh, loved and lost right i, I think you're right I, I i actually agree with you it's just that's that's how far we're going here that is better than no football and the the look on devin ford's face cuz he kind of gingerly crossed the goal line like it occurred to him as he was crossing the goal line, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. It, he was like literally one yard too late in changing his mind. 
And he looks at the sideline, and it, it dawns completely, oh, I should not have done that. But here's the thing. It's not like Indiana had marched the ball down the field on a consistent basis all, all night. But of course they were going to march the ball down the field in a minute and 42 seconds. Of course they and were. Look, I mean, in Indiana, ultimately, like they squared up later on when Indiana gave Penn State a chance to win in regulation. Yes. Yeah, exactly. By squibbing for reasons unknown. <laughs> and Penn State had a kick to win the game and did not make it. Now, Tom Allen's decision to go for two at the end of the first overtime, I completely agree with. My feeling on going for two before you have to in overtime is if you are the less talented team, you need to take plays out of the game. Do not stretch the game out because the longer you stretch the game out, the more likely the more talented team is to win. So you want to have it come down to one play if you can make it do that because you've got a shot on one play. And they did. And it was quite a play called a two-point conversion because we saw the ball hit the pylon. And then we started watching the replay. And we're like, oh, my God, the ball hit the ground first. But did the ball hit the ground inbounds, which would be fine because it could hit inbounds and then hit the pylon, and it's still a two-point conversion? Or did it hit out of bounds and then hit the pylon? The replay was inconclusive. They said the call stood. What do you think happened there, Max? I, I would have rioted if they'd overturned it. I mean, I, and, and I'm not I'm not pulling against Penn State or anything like that. I'm just saying, in that moment, it's such a it's such an incredible play. I just didn't think there was enough to to overturn it. It's I I respect for like what a tough call that is. And if there's some folks who want to look at all these different camera angles and and photos and stuff and say, look here, he's down or something like that, I I, I get looking for answers like that, but I just didn't think there was enough there to overturn. I think, I think it was good. Um, and like you said, man, like we watched it two weeks ago in, in red river where Texas didn't, didn't go for two. And then they ended up playing for another hour. You know what I mean? And you run out of gas and it's like, you, well, but you don't, I mean, that one is I'm not saying Indiana even. can't luck out and survive that, but do you want to play four overtimes? Absolutely not. You know, but when it's Texas and Oklahoma, you're fairly evenly matched in terms of talent. Sure. You're not when it's Indiana and Penn State. So there was no, this no. was the right call by Tom Allen all the way. Uh, I'm with you on the, the over, no overturn. I think it's probably like that play was too cool to overturn. We can't do it. Like, I really think they should have picked up the flag <laughs> when George Teague stripped Lamar Thomas in the Sugar Bowl. They should have just mm -hmm. picked up the flag that, that nullified that play and been like, no, nope, that was too cool. We're picking up this flag. This is where if we had like the college football czar, they would call in from the bat phone and they'd say, hey, look, that was awesome. Don't screw this up. Exactly. Exactly. And the Penix play, I mean, the photos that came out of that, that dive oh my gosh. were just amazing. And, and of course, he immediately went two places. He was superimposed on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, which... That's a natural. And the other one is we okay. had this Pope meme that's been going around where you do the four box photo and three <laughs> of the boxes are the Pope holding something up and, and the other box is whatever he's holding up. And this time it was Michael Penix. I mean, it really was a, an amazing deal. Now, the, the big thing, 33 years since Indiana's beaten a top 10 team. I have no idea if Penn State's actually a top mm -hmm. 10 team. I, I don't really care what you're ranked until the season's over. So I don't know if Indiana beat a top 10 team or not. I do know they beat Penn State, which is kind of a big deal.
Yeah, hundred percent. I and I I don't think Penn State. I mean, it's kind of a weird game. And and look, I think you. I think you and I from watching weeks and week, weeks of this kind of had to expect it, right? That there was going to be the Big Ten was going to feel the weird that we've been feeling for a couple months here, where you know turnovers are way up, penalties are way up, block kicks, all of that. You knew that there was going to be a couple games, and there were a couple games in the Big Ten today um, where you saw just kind of sloppy or like they just played a little off or something like that. And I think that's probably the case here um, for for Penn State where just things catch up to you. And, and part of that's from, you know, no non-conference games and jumping right into a legitimately tough um, conference road game to start your season. Well, let's hear from Tom Allen in the locker room after that game. But no, I'm so proud of you guys. Amazing effort. But I'll tell you what, what we talk about, man. It's about believing and just playing for 60 minutes and beyond. Whatever it takes. Guys, that wasn't. We made mistakes. Okay, we're going to get a whole lot better between this week and next week. But you found a way to win. You didn't stop believing, man. You've got to believe. And I'll tell you what, man. Since the first day I stepped foot on this campus, I believed. I believe Indiana could do what we just did on that field. I believe it. And I hate quit talking about it. I've been made fun of. I've been mocked. I never cared. That's why we Because you know what? The best is yet to come for that is Tom Allen. That's a speech right there, Max. Now, he did not say turn that damn jukebox up like <laughs> Sam Pittman does, but <laughs> I'll take it. Um, and, you know, you, you know Andy as well as anybody. Like, Tom Allen's one of those guys where, you, you know, you meet lots of coaches who um, take on jobs like these because they're trying to get somewhere, you know? This is, this is the stepping stone to, um, you know, big jobs and big money and all that. Have you ever talked to Tom Allen? That dude loves being in Indiana. The passion he has for that program and like trying to gain respect there and trying to build something really sustainable. Like it, I think part of like everyone going gaga over this game is just because they do like, uh, you know, appreciate that this is a guy that really does love being there and is kind of taking them to new heights. Well, since he's gotten there, they just play so much tougher. I mean, they, they became yeah. a tough out. Once he got there, and Kevin Wilson had improved the program considerably, but they became a much tougher out when Tom Allen got there. And and then you saw them win nine games last year. And you realize there's something to build on. Shout out to our, our sponsor, Homefield Apparel. Uh, big Shout Indiana fans there. They they are uh, they're all dramatic drunk. day for Homefield. They're all extremely drunk. So if your if your Homefield shirt is not packaged entirely correctly, listen, cut them some slack. So, uh, but that yeah, I mean Tom Allen's from. Indiana. He had his Florida period as a high school coach, but that was more, I mean, he went down there because he wanted to get a head coaching job. That's, that's really why he did it. And it's interesting because that kind of set him up in terms of a recruiting base, because you look at where they get guys from. Now, Michael Penix is an interesting story. He was committed to Butch Jones at Tennessee. Butch Jones gets fired. Jeremy Pruitt isn't interested. And all of a sudden Penix becomes available and here comes a guy who used to coach in Tampa and Tom Allen and goes, I know you're good. Lots of people I trust tell me you're good. I'll take you. 
and and here we are. I mean, because that's the thing. Like Penix was hurt a lot of last year. Peyton Ramsey led them to most of those wins, and mm-hmm. they realized Penix was the guy, though. That's why Peyton Ramsey was uh, torching Maryland for Northwestern on Saturday night. Oh, I mean, the only thing holding back um, Michael Penix last year was injuries. I mean, other than that, I think he started six games and won five of six and broke their school completion record in, in his limited time. Like, he he flashed big time last year that he could be this good. Um, and, you know, that, that gives them some peace of mind when Peyton Ramsey moves on. But, yeah, this guy in the limited, you know, in basically a half season of work, I think he showed he can be – a really high level quarterback for them. And, and, and like you said, in the way you get them kind of off the waiver wire there after the Tennessee coaching change, that's an incredible find. Yeah, no, it, it, it was pretty amazing how it all came together for them. And that's a, that's a big win, but how about another win that felt pretty significant tonight? And, and I don't know that it will wind up being as significant, but it felt like it in the moment, Michigan, 49, Minnesota, 24, it sure looks like Michigan has a quarterback. Joe Milton looked great. Yeah, I, you know, I don't think we're very knee-jerk guys, Andy, but this would be one of those kind of results where you'd say, wow, this is this really tells you like the the upside on this Michigan team um is pretty crazy. I wouldn't have expected that uh they could come close to dropping a 50 burger on Minnesota on the road in their opener, and then there's a there's a run there in that game where they scored on one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine straight drives in that game. I mean, they they took control of that, and and there was never really a spot where you felt like, um, you know, in the second half that Minnesota's got a chance to come back here. Joe Milton um, looked really, really good in in what um, you know in year two here with Josh Gaddis's offense, and you, you know you wrote about it a little bit this summer too. I. I guess we probably overlooked this one a little bit just because he wasn't a returning starter, but that continuity has to pay off for them a little bit this year, right? You would think so. I, I mean, that's that's the thing. It, it took them a while to get going in that offense, and once they did, it felt like they were a little bit different team. And mm-hmm. now it feels like they have the right guy running it. And again, it's one game. I don't want to re- overreact. And it's funny because on Friday, Ari and I talked about how no matter what the result was for this game, it was going to be a massive overreaction to it. And and this certainly oh, sure. is, is is uh, this is the year they're beating Ohio State. No, I don't. I don't know if any of that's true. I do know that the offense looked confident. It looked really well run. It looked creative. You know, they were, they, they were setting things up. There was a play where the, the they had a tight end drop a touchdown pass, and that I would think he catches 99 out of 100 times. But they had set mm-hmm. it up so beautifully with that, that pin and pull quarterback run over and over yeah. and over again, and then they sneak the tight end out, and he's wide open up the middle. I mean, it, it, was, it was a perfect throw, It was too. great. Yeah. And so... you know, And you know what a, a new quarterback's best friend is, Andy? Um 8.8 yards per rush in a yes. game. Yeah, that, that line that, was that blowing the, holes the PA open. looked pretty good. You know? Yeah. No, it was, the, the line was blowing holes. I mean, it started off with the with the Charbonnet 70-yard touchdown run. <laughs> it was just right right up the gut, and you thought, okay, this is going to be a long night for the Gophers, and, and it was. But I, I think there's a lot to be excited about with Michigan just because they haven't looked that is there a word that combi- combines confident and competent? Confident? 
Is that is that confident? We can make that a word because that's what their offense looks like with Joe Milton running it. And, and you know, we kept waiting for that. When's that going to happen? When's when's a Jim Harbaugh recruited quarterback, not a transfer, going to be going to be the guy at Michigan? Well, now now there is one, and he certainly looks like he was made to run that offense. Yeah. Do you think that? You, you know, you've seen kind of so much of the chatter around Michigan lately has been kind of casting doubt and talking about the contract situation, all that kind of stuff. Do you think in some ways maybe we just sort of slept on? I, I thought this would be a close game and, and the, you know, kind of the game of the night, obviously. But do you think maybe we just slept on Michigan kind of reaching this point now where they, they should conceivably have enough pieces on both sides of the ball to to look this competitive? Yeah, I think they're kind of laying in the weeds. We, we just sort of left yeah. them for dead after they lost to Ohio State again. But, I mean, they got Quiddy Pay, who may be the best defensive player in the league. Cam McGrown is, is fantastic. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson is, is great. So, I mean, they, they have pieces that can make the D-line's them special. The D-line's got some dudes. Yeah, yeah. They, they have the, yeah. the kind of pieces that you want. I don't know if the O-line is, is as good against Ohio State as it was against Minnesota, but it's a good start. And so I, I think yep. Michigan folks should be feeling really good right now. You know who else should be feeling really good? The Rutgers Scarlet Knights. They oh are on goodness. the board in the Big Ten, beating Michigan State, forcing seven turnovers. Oh, my goodness. I that's um, When I talk about things getting weird in the Big Ten, um, yeah, that and then – and then Iowa losing Purdue without who was missing. No Brom Rondell and, and Moore, no Rondell Jeff Brom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no big deal. Um, yeah, Greg Schiano. Holy moly, that is a uh, that is a way to debut. You, I think I, I don't know this for a fact, Andy. I'm pr- you could ask like some of these stat websites. I'm pretty sure teams that force seven turnovers are undefeated in the history of college football. <laughs> Gotta be. That, that's the thing. And and the funny thing is, at the end of this game, it still felt like Michigan State had a chance, which tells yeah. me that all we just said about Michigan and everything we just said about Michigan State could look completely different next week if Michigan State is less sloppy. Yeah, Michigan State, I think, on the other end of the of things, uh, I think they got like two yards of carry in their game. Oh, yeah. Um, so, no, Rocky, I mean, Rocky that, Lombardi had to do it through the air. and Yeah. It's, it, they just, they've got a long way to go. Mark D'Antonio did not leave much in the cupboard did not leave at the right time. He should have hung it up after right. the season ended. He hung on until February. And that, everything about that transfer of power was messed up, and Mel Tucker got put in a pretty bad situation. But good for Shiano getting back in there in a place he's comfortable, in a place he's been successful before. They played tough. They looked competent. That's all you can ask for with Rutgers. Now, you mentioned Purdue, Bromless and Morless. Now they had one Brom. They did have a Brom coaching <laughs> yeah. them, just not Jeff. And and they beat Iowa. And and I wish I could. I think it was Bill Connolly from ESPN that had this tweet. I, I hope I'm giving proper credit, but it, it was thank goodness Purdue didn't have a non-conference schedule to have some loss to Eastern Michigan before they beat Iowa. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean that that one's pretty solid. Um, and. I you know I I had a hard time like when we were doing the Big Ten prediction stuff last week like did you have a like a good sense 
when you were sorting out the West? I really no. didn't. I mean, no, the, at the least one, from like, I would say from two to seven, you could end up with all sorts of combos. I put Wisconsin at number one because that's, that's easy, but right. I actually had, I had Minnesota second in the West, which I think is probably going to be wrong. I had okay. Northwestern third because Phil Steele told me Northwestern is going to be the bounce back team. And, and right. You know, Common sense should tell you that a team that had a a really good defense last year that has most of those people back and is probably going to have a really good defense this year and could not have possibly been any worse on offense will get better on offense. And sure enough, they were. Now, I don't know that Maryland's any good. I think Maryland may be flopping places with Rutgers this year. But 43-3 to in the season opener when – it took them six Big Ten games to score 43 points last year. <laughs> six <laughs> games! Oh, man. That, that's... Uh... And then, you know, of course, you've got, like, you know, Justin Fields and Graham Mertz. Pretty oh. much perfect. Two incompletions. And the one incompletion for Fields was a pass in the end zone that he put yep. in Chris Olave's hands, and if Chris Olave hadn't been in the middle of getting flipped by two people, he would have caught it. Yeah, that was um, that from like that second point, that second half for Ohio State was full on route, crushing all hopes. Um, even you know, uh, I mean, Andy, what I, this has been? I've seen this post on Twitter today. What what is worse when? Ohio State still scoring on you in the final minute with their backups, or when the head coach apologizes afterwards for scoring on you. The apology in the final minute—that's the most humiliating yeah. thing by by far. I think so because, and I don't think Scott Frost was mad about the backup no. scoring a touchdown. No, I mean, they've become good buddies through all of this over the last few months. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a mutual respect there. There's just a very very big difference between those two programs right now right. in terms of the talent right. level they put on the field. And uh, yeah, Ohio State, it took them a quarter and a half. And mm-hmm. then once they really got going, there was there was nothing Nebraska could do. Now, Penn State will present probably a bigger challenge to Ohio State, although I think it, as banged up as Penn State is and, and given what Penn State has lost yeah. to this point, I just don't know that they they're they don't have enough special pieces to hang, I don't think. And and that's you know if you have Micah Parsons, if you have Journey Brown, uh, they lost another running back on on Saturday right out of the gate. I mean, that's that's the problem. Noah Kane got hurt first quarter, so mm-hmm. I just I just don't know. I'm looking in the Big Ten. The fact that Milton looked really comfortable at the controls of that Michigan offense gives you some hope that maybe somebody has a chance. But I don't know because we we we've only seen him play one game. We don't we don't know what Mich- what Minnesota was. Yeah, I, I I would say when you go back and look at it, I would say Nebraska played with Ohio State for about twenty five minutes. Yeah. Of, of the sixty, um, I mean, it, I think for a lot of Big Ten teams that you're probably you can give them a strong fifteen to twenty five. Um, but can you? Really, piece and, and that's that's the challenge on Penn State. And when you lose those truly, you know, blue chip NFL guys like Micah Parsons and Journey Brown, then your margin of error is just a lot smaller against Ohio State, um, who replaces those types of dudes with two or three different 
you know, somewhat it, comparable players uh, it, if it's, they have to. It's you know? crazy. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Well, let's let's move to the SEC and and we'll start, you know, the beginning of Saturday always brings a lot of false bravado and false confidence and I think I can best sum it up by playing this this little ditty for you. Bama, guess what? This is a boy from the 423865 Tennessee. We still alive. Alabama, you better take your ass back. Cause guess what, boys? It's about to be a wrap. We about to put you back on that track. We'll put you on a plane. We'll put you on a train. One, two, three, four. We hit you right in your mouth. We're going, guess what, boys? We from the south. Five, six, seven, eight. We're just going to lay you, lay you straight. Horace Crouch gets on that field. Because guess what, boys? It ain't no deal. We coming, coming to kill you with the knockout. Because guess what, boys? We from the south. Guess what, boys? Alabama's from further south than Tennessee. And it was 48 to 17. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when you talk about uh, I, I, Tennessee, did not make it twenty-five minutes of sixty with uh, with Alabama. I would Tennessee say. didn't make it one minute. Now, Jalen Waddle gets hurt early in this game, broken ankle. He's out for the year. That is very sad, and because I mean, he's he's probably the most exciting playmaker in the country this year. Oh no, it, it breaks my heart, man. Like he's he's just been one of my favorite players to watch for the last two plus seasons. Um, you know, we we have a tendency to say certain players can like score anytime they touch the ball. He's that dude. He absolutely, you know? is one of those guys. Now, and you know that that like that's tough for Bama. Like I know they can plug in other guys, and 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 John Mechie, the way he's playing right now, but they don't have saying, anybody okay, like that. that. That's that, that's they don't have that dude. That no. that nobody no, else does. nobody has that dude. Yeah, so that's one of those things interesting to watch going forward because in that game against Georgia last week. He was one of the big reasons, like the, uh, well, the ninety-yarder flipped yeah, the game. We, yeah, yeah, we talked about it after the after the game on the show uh, with Richard Johnson. He was scoring no matter what happened on that play. The, the defender fell down. He could have had perfect coverage. Jalen Waddle was still going to score a ninety-yard touchdown on that play. So, I mean, that's the part going forward for Bama that they're going to have to take care of. Uh, Mac Jones, twenty-five of thirty-one, three hundred eighty-seven yards passing. Najee Harris. 20 carries for 96 yards and three touchdowns. These guys are still going to move the ball on almost everybody pretty much at will. But 
it, it, it sucks to see that that loss. And, and now Tennessee, uh, Jeremy Pruitt said after the game that the gap is closing with Alabama. Is that is that sort of like saying that like the you wouldn't like believe the, the practices gap or the talent gap or which gap the talent gap? Do you do you buy that, Andy? No, <laughs> it does not appear to be happening. It does not appear to be changing at all. It it appears to be as wide as it has ever been. Yeah, I mean, I if you want to go look, like log on to twenty four seven and say like, all right, how you know is the are the recruiting pl- classes improving? Like sure, you can make that argument. I it just it's not it's going to take a few years for that to start to show up on the field. Yeah. And and they like Tennessee needs a special quarterback. You need a generational type quarterback to be able to hang with Alabama yeah. and, and it's just not happening. Like a Michael right Penix now. type. Yeah. Like, like right. a Michael <laughs> You you could have had Michael Penix. Actually, uh, you know who else they had committed in that class, Max? Trivia question? Adrian Martinez. That is correct. Adrian Martinez and Michael Penix were the two quarterbacks committed. Uh, sort of like when they fired Philip Fulmer. Do you remember the two quarterbacks they had committed when they fired Philip Fulmer? I do remember. They had uh, not just Taj Boyd committed, mm-hmm. but they also had Bryce Petty committed. That's which correct. Reminds me, so I, I once, when, when Bryce Petty was blown up at Baylor, I once asked him about that, and he said that they parted ways because Lane was determined to try and get Matt Barkley to come to Tennessee. A year later, Lane goes to USC to team up with Matt Barkley. It's crazy how it all works. So it but, all worked out in the end. But yes, yeah, so Tennessee is one of those that just perpetually... And, and here's the thing. Let this be a lesson to you. It, let's say Jeremy Pruitt decides he wants to, to retire and open a store that sells artisanal pickles and doesn't want to coach football anymore. Interesting and, choice. Okay. Well, I'm just saying, we, we all have our things. And Tennessee has to hire a new coach. I This is my word of advice for whoever that person is. Whoever's committed at quarterback, just keep them. Yeah. I don't care if you think they're no good. Just keep them because I promise they're good. It doesn't matter. They're good. Yes. Yeah, so historically, they're going to be a program changer for you just Trying to, and I think they were trying to get Adrian Martinez to stay in that class, but they, they but were, still, but or at least Fulmer mad. was. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Hold, hang on tight. I mean, look, I understand that with the era we're in now, like you, you conceivably should be able to go out and add a transfer any given year to, to make yourself better. But we, you know, we haven't really seen them do that either. I mean, other than Keller Christ. Yeah, I mean, it's just they have not been able to get over the hump at that position. And I, I don't know what changes there, but th- they need to do something yeah. about that. Uh, speaking of the quarterback position, and I know the LSU fans are, are tired of this already because it was the entire second half of the broadcast, but LSU beat South Carolina 52-24. to TJ Finley, the freshman, started for LSU over Miles Brennan, who, who was out tonight. Uh, TJ Finley looks really, really good, Max. Uh, I realize Miles Brennan has had a good year so far. I don't know if he's the best quarterback on the roster. Yeah, I like. I understand why coaches like to say, "Oh, you know, like, like, like the like you saw the um, Tyrod Taylor Justin Herbert thing earlier this year, right? Where it's like, look, he's injured. It's not his fault. We're never gonna. You're not gonna lose your starting job because you got injured, right? Um, and there's definitely a lot of reasons to still stick with Miles Brennan when he's healthy, but uh, it definitely definitely makes things interesting there, especially if they do run into a rut 
and are kind of stuck trying to figure out, you know, where's our where's our offensive ceiling um, with the way that well, uh, it, certainly with the way Terrace Marshall and other guys they have are playing. Like, I mean, it, it can still be a really good offense despite the way you know things things started with those those first two losses. Here's the thing: South Carolina's defense is actually kind of good. Like, there's some really yeah. good players on South Carolina's defense. Yeah, they made it look easy. I don't know. Maybe you stick with the guy who makes it all look easy. I'm just saying against a pretty good defense. I'm just saying it's it's a good it's a good problem to have if you're LSU because that's a, that's a tricky one when you've got the guy who's been there forever, who waited his turn, who sat on the bench for two years when Burrow came in, versus the freshman that just showed up. You know, but but and sometimes you can be a little bit too loyal with this stuff and it can cost you. So that's a that's an interesting problem for for Coach O. The, yeah. It, again, good problem to have, and the defense played better. So yep. now, granted, much better. This is an offense. I've been saying it all week. Bo Pelini's like, I remember this one. I know how to stop this one. So, <laughs> you know, as they move on, it may it may change that we may be back in the same situation. Although I think Auburn's offense is not entirely dynamic this year either. It's it's throw the ball up and hope Seth Williams can come down with it or hand it to Tank Tank Bigsby. So, yeah, I think. We're going to find out a lot about LSU here in a in a few weeks. They they do play Alabama after they play Auburn. They they got an off week in between, but we'll know. But I, I'll be curious to see who plays quarterback for LSU against Auburn because that was that was a pretty eye opening performance. If if I hadn't seen South Carolina's defense play a bunch already this year, I'd be like, ah, oh, it's okay. You know, good good first start. Don't know about the opponent, but we do know about the opponent. This was a pretty good defense that he made look foolish. And I just you have to at least consider the possibility. Yeah, I'm with you. Do you, you know the the thing that I've been thinking about tonight as we sort of process, you know, the losing Jalen Waddle is you look at the rest of the division. I mean, is there a game that you think should scare Bama at this point besides LSU? Not really. I mean, Auburn shouldn't scare him. Uh Arkansas, if they keep playing the way they they are, should <laughs> maybe a little bit, but but Alabama is so much more talented than Arkansas that I, I I think it'd be hard. Right. But yes, LSU playing the way LSU played against South Carolina might have a chance against Alabama. So yeah, yeah. I I am very very intrigued by how that went down. So we'll we'll see what we'll see what happens. But it's it's okay to have two good quarterbacks and you know think about well think about a couple years ago max i think this is a good example you had you had the situation where kelly bryant now kelly bryant had had a year as the starter Mm -hmm. but then he gets he gets aced out by trevor lawrence the same year you had brandon wimbush who put in his time and was not losing games i mean notre dame was undefeated when they when they went to ian book as the starter but they still changed if you got a guy you think works better, that's who you go with. No, I mean you're you're talking about in those cases, um, you know those are season defining decisions. Not to say Clemson couldn't have made the playoff with Kelly Bryant, but they couldn't have won the um, national title with him. But no, I'm 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 with you on that. So yeah, it's it's some and you know that that was a tough spot for Clemson to make that four games into it. Um, Notre Dame, you know, was able to to pull that off pretty seamlessly. You know that could have gone the other way, but um, yeah, I mean, I think I think it's a as much as we all know that LSU's got to fix the defense first and foremost. Yeah, I think that's 
you know, if you're talking about the upside of can they be a top 10 team? Yeah, this this may end up being kind of we may be heading down that road of this being the moment that of, of truth for them. Yeah, it's it's going to be a fascinating watch for the rest of the season. Speaking of Notre Dame, by the way, 45-3 over Pittsburgh. Our friend Chris the Bear Felica from ESPN was trying to get people onto Pittsburgh on on Thursday saying, "Oh, they mm-hmm. you know, they've covered the spread for the last 5 against Notre Dame." And I said, "No, don't do it. Pittsburgh's the team that makes you eat mayonnaise. Don't touch them." Once again, born out. And again, the more I watch... free Saturday for you. Exactly. Yeah. Well, the more I watch Pittsburgh, the whole Mark Whipple, he's the offensive coordinator, have the quarterback run to me on the sideline and run back. I mean, can we talk about how stupid that is? What year is this? Yeah. Well, what year is this yeah. one? Why are you making your quarterback run half the width of the field and then run back? So you're making him run 53 and a half yards to get the play in, and then he has to run the play. Tell me on I mean, what planet it, that makes sense. I think in forming a, a stronger uh, bond and connection with your coach, I guess you, I guess you accomplish that, right? But you have that to run during a game. for no reason. You should be conserving your energy to run on the field during plays, not running back and forth to the sideline to get the play. Every other team in America signals plays in. How can you not have, figure out how to do this? Your your quarterback offseason conditioning has to be pretty pretty next level to run this offense. Kenny you know? Pickett must be an Iron Man. Like you could put him in an Iron Man triathlon and he'd win after all this. <laughs> I just feel so bad for him. I, I really do. Like he's gotta be looking at this going and then and then he's he when he's on the sideline, he's watching the other team signal the plays in and going, Wait, 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 wait. What why can't we do that? Yeah, this would this might become like kind of a tell for you too. If your quarterback's gassed, he keeps checking to to the, uh, the your your team sideline because he just wants to minimize his uh, between play runs. Kenny you know? Pickett shows up at Mark Whipple's office this week with a bunch of posts. He's board. only thrown it to one side of the field because he's just trying to stay by his sideline. <laughs> exactly, he wants to be on that. He wants to be on the right hash. No, he shows up with a bunch of markers and poster board. Coach, we're we're gonna get some pictures of roast beef. One of these is gonna have Darth Vader on it. I don't care how yep. you do it. We're going to use signals this week. <laughs> but I just, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I can't stand it. Maybe because I had to eat mayonnaise because of this team, but it just makes me angry every time I see that. Let's, let's move on. Hey, speaking of, um, of, of podcast, uh, of running podcast bits here. So you saw on our SEC podcast this week, the discussion about the, uh, the two parties of breakfast, right? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, sweet versus uh, salt, salt and grease. Team team sugar versus team salt and grease. Right. Um, I don't know if you saw this today, Andy, but uh, an, an important L for the uh, team sugar uh, team this week. I did uh, not. So Travis Etienne, he dealt with some cramping in the second half against Syracuse and had to get an IV and everything. And after the game, he said it's because all he had for breakfast was a bowl of Frosted Flakes. Oh, they're not great. <laughs> and he Some said eggs afterward, and bacon okay, would have you I'll, up, Travis. That's what he said after the game. All right, I'll go I'll go bacon and eggs and whatever it takes to to survive four quarters with uh with Syracuse. You know, Listen, one bowl of, of sweet cereal doesn't do it. It's not wakey wakey frosted mini wheats for a reason. No. 
No. Yeah. All right. We we can we can buzz through the rest of the ACC. Miami survived Virginia. It was rainy. It was one of those. I think you're just really happy you got out with a W because you played pretty terribly, but you still won. Yep. That's yep. all we need to say you about that it. game. That's that's enough. Uh, North Carolina crushes NC State. One of my favorite game graphics because you know everybody has to send out the graphic on social media about what happened during the game. I I never understand why after you got blown out like. That's the time the social media intern can just take a few minutes off. Like, you really don't need to send that graphic out. But they made a graphic that said, NC State 21! North Carolina 48. It was in, like, dark gray. It almost blended in. It almost looked like an 18 instead of a 48. I, you know... I appreciate the hustle. I, I guess. So, without Devin Leary, these guys aren't very good. That's just... I, I think we just need to accept that. Yeah, and then Virginia Tech losing to Wake. It was it. Listen, Dave Clawson was due. They've had a rough year, so that they, they. I mean, and I wondered about Virginia Tech because they have looked so good, and yeah. they've been playing. You know, they played shorthanded for a while, but I never felt completely. Khalil Herbert's com- just put up video game numbers yeah. so far. Yeah, but I never felt completely confident in them. By the way, Khalil Herbert, Kansas really wishing they had him now that Puka Williams has opted out for the rest of the season. Uh, yeah. It's just, it, it's one of those things that none of, there are going to be weeks where nothing makes sense. And the, the Wake Virginia Tech result feels like one of those. Like, okay, there's, there's a pandemic going on. Everybody's playing mostly conference schedules. Weird things are going to happen. This is one of those results. Yeah, and and sometimes like the regression to the mean games are going to be like pretty brutal, as we saw with uh, Florida State today yes. against Louisville. Yeah, because Florida State had shown some signs of life against Notre Dame, and then they shocked North Carolina, and all of a sudden come For crashing sure. back down to earth against the Louisville team that that had not looked all that great all year. So, uh, yeah, there. And, and the other thing we're going to have are these teams that sort of find themselves in the middle, like. I don't know. Maybe LSU might be that team. Now, I still think there were there were some issues with LSU's defense. If you look at the the per carry numbers for South Carolina and, and the per play numbers for South Carolina, it, it, LSU has a lot to fix still. But you're going to have that. Maybe maybe Louisville's finding itself. Maybe they found a little bit of themselves at Notre Dame by giving Notre Dame a scare, and then they come back and thrash Florida State. I I don't know, but it they looked like a different team. Do, do you think we're going to I, – I think it's a great point that there are going to be some of those teams that over these next three, four weeks kind of keep developing into what they're supposed to be. Do you think that we're going to see that as much with the Big Ten and Pac-12, or is it such a week-to-week grind for them that you kind of – you have to be what you are like right away? I think that's just going to – it's just going to be weird. I think most yeah. weeks you're going to be what you are, and then there's going to be one or two that make no sense whatsoever. Yeah, that's why. Probably that's why so. any assumptions we make off of this week could be completely blown up next week. Like Ohio State is the only team I feel supremely confident about. I feel like I know what they are. <laughs> I got a feeling I know what Wisconsin is with Graham Mertz playing quarterback too. But again, still don't entirely know. But that was a very impressive performance against against Illinois. It definitely was. I, I think that, you know, and it, it's funny, like not to nitpick too much here because obviously you, you see 
that growth in the passing game. And you're like, I've been waiting to see this from Wisconsin for a while, but um, the three running backs weren't, you know, weren't all that um, dynamic in that, in that game against Illinois. So you kind of wonder, um, you know, kind of how, how consistent that can become um, without Jonathan Taylor. But yeah, for one game, I mean, that's, that's everything you want to see from your redshirt freshman. We'll be back to talk more college football right after these words. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. We spent a lot of time the last few weeks bashing Texas. This past week, there's been so much off-the-field drama. I mean, even the band did not have enough instrumentation. I believe that's the, the term they used. Uh, you know, just like not being able to suit up seven offensive linemen. They couldn't suit up seven that's tubas. Right. So they couldn't play. It's a safety thing. Yep. But, but Texas beats Baylor 27-16. It was not close most of the way. Now, it was, it was 27-3 going into the fourth quarter. Baylor had a little bit of a comeback there, but it's got to feel good for Texas. And, and I, I feel like we're, we got to give them equal time here. We've bashed them plenty. We may now praise them because their defense showed up this time. Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, you know, the eyes of Texas thing, this may now kind of be in the past. Um, all the players went out there for it. And, you know, they said afterward, I think, Part of that is just because, like, they just want to be done with it. They don't. They don't want to have this hanging over them, you know, every week the rest of the way here. So maybe that's kind of settled. Um, but no, it was absolutely um, must win week in Austin, um, and they had a bye week to get ready for Baylor, and um, just a really, really strong performance from Sam Ellinger. Not not perfect, but um, kind of kind of what you expect in, in a, a game. They have to they have to survive, and you know, we still. We still just don't have a really good sense of what Baylor is. You know, they just haven't played that many games. They've had so many delays. And just the identity in year one under Aranda, I think, is still a work in progress, still TBD. But, um, yeah, Texas had to get that. And and now they've got um, Oklahoma State next week. And, mm-hmm. and they're going to try and play, tra- play spoiler and get back into the Big 12 race. That's right. Oklahoma State and Kansas State now in control of the Big 12 race. Oklahoma State is 3-0 in conference play. Kansas State's 4-0. But Oklahoma State beats Iowa State 24-21. This was a, a, a defensive struggle. It was it's, it's kind of like the new Big 12, it felt like, Max. Because, you know, yeah. we're, we're, you know, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, Baker Mayfield versus Patrick Mahomes was kind of the epitome of the old Big 12. This is yeah. where we're going. Everybody's stolen Iowa State's defense, you know, you, you got to play some defense to win this league now. I thought Spencer Sanders coming back to start played a great game. As much with his legs as with his arm. He had 15 carries for 71 yards. That The TD he scored with his legs was humongous. And yeah. I just, I just, he looked, he looked fantastic considering he's missed time, considering, you know, people were saying, well, maybe Illingworth gives them a better chance to win. I think he, he put all that to rest today. 
I think so. It, it, you know, the one the one kind of key knock on him last year was just in the games they lost, he turned the ball over a lot. And so, you know, when you have a tip tipped interception early on, you're kind of like, all right, how's he going to respond to this? How, you know, kind of what is the the leash here where they think about Illingworth? But no, I think they know Spencer Sanders changes their their ceiling. And there's, you know, they've been fortunate to have kind of a lighter schedule to get through these weeks without Sanders. Um, but he makes a huge difference. And, you know, the thing that I like this Oklahoma State defense is legit, Andy. I mean, oh, it yeah. really is. Absolutely. And they, they, you know, they they gave up a couple like they gave up two big runs by Brees Hall. And there's there's no shame in that because I think Brees Hall might be the best player in the Big 12. But um, beyond that, they they held Iowa State under four yards per play the rest of the game um, and, and were, you know, held, got stops on 10 of 13 third downs. They've, they're the best third down defense in the country. So um, I, I know people kind of looked at the the numbers on that defense and said, all right, well, they haven't really played anybody. Uh, this is a legit, legit offense that, that had been playing really well the past few weeks. And um, that's a huge win for Oklahoma State. And with where the big 12 is at, um, these these head to heads are going to be a huge deal for for all the tiebreaker situations they're probably going to run into. Well, and Oklahoma State gets Texas next week. If if they can beat Texas, that puts them in a, in a good position because remember you only have to be second place in the league to make the yeah. title game. So you know you keep keep winning and you can drop one down the road and still make the title game. Uh, that that feels like one of the biggest games next week. Another really interesting game as we as we turn the calendar forward that I'm excited about thinking about all week this week, Arkansas Texas A&M because they're really so excited, excited in Aggie Land. They are really excited and and I and with good reason. If you look at the rest of their schedule, they can win every game that's left on their schedule if they play well. But this Arkansas team is going to be healthier than than it has been all year. They're 2 and 2. They should be 3 and 1. They they lost to Auburn on a on, on a bad call. Uh, Ole Miss, by the way, also lost to Auburn on a bad call on Saturday. Uh, that was a bad call. That was 100%. a bad call. Uh, but Arkansas A&M looks like one of those fun games. And, and this is the one where if, if A&M is going to be the team that we expect them to be, this is the one where they need to flex. They have more talent than Arkansas. They should be able to, to beat Arkansas. But for whatever reason, these games tend to induce heart attacks. These Texas A&M-Arkansas games, no matter the talent gap. And I think with, with Sam Pittman coaching the Hogs, you're, you're going to see a different caliber of Arkansas team than some of these A&M teams have, have played in the, in the past few years. So that one's going to be fun. Ohio State, Penn State is going to be interesting, to say the least. Game. That yes, is your is. game day game. How about Mike Leach against Alabama? Mike Leach against Nick Saban. We always <laughs> wanted to see it. I'm not sure we want to see it now. <laughs> yeah, that's... um. Boy, the Mike Leach experience. I don't know. I mean, do you think they could mess around and and make that uh, pretty damn fun for for a couple quarters? No. Okay. <laughs> I I don't just because they haven't been able to figure out these other defenses. I mean, they couldn't figure out Kentucky's defense. How are they going to figure out Alabama's defense? Yeah, I, I don't know, Andy. Do you think Alabama's like? Do you think they have the athletes to rush three and drop eight and play good defense? I think I think it's possible. I, you think it's swing it? I think it's possible. Probably so. Bigger question. Are the undefeated Coastal Carolina Chanticleers going to keep going? Are they going to be Chanticleers, Andy? Chanticleers. The Shants, the Shants, the Shants. Uh, I believe that the folks in the rest of the Sun Belt, the Appalachian State fans call them the Beach Chickens. 
I kind of like that better. <laughs> Sunbelt, uh, Sunbelt race is going to be pretty good, man. Heck yeah. Well, my guy Sam Thompson, the 5'9 center from Coastal Carolina, had another big game today. They had to start the backup quarterback, but they beat Georgia Southern. And did you see what my man orders from Zaxby's? He gets no, remind me. two value meals. He gets the, the wings and things meal and the nibblers meal. Then he gets extra tenders. He gets both drinks that come with the value meal. So he goes one Gatorade wow. and one tea. And then because he's a great American and a five foot nine, 290 pound center, double fries, no slaw in both boxes. <laughs> That's my let, man. Let me right ask there. you this on, on that topic. I, I've only had Zaxby's a couple times, and it was in Texas. It is not the best and of those. I, it, well, so I I don't know. Is there is that one of those places where if you go if you go to its its uh, its home states and eat it, no. it's going to be way better than in Texas. No, no, because I live in a town that is ruled by Zaxby's. Uh, there there okay. used to be a Guthrie's here. Guthrie's is the original, the OG of the chicken tender restaurants, and okay. There's one in Tallahassee. There's one in Auburn. I think there might be still one in Tuscaloosa. But the gut box was a staple in college. Uh, It will Mm -hmm. turn your stomach in all of the best ways. And obviously, Raising Cane's has raised the level of that type of restaurant to new heights. But we have no Raising Cane's here. All we have are Zaxby's. You have no Raising Cane's there? No, it's so disappointing. Now, there's a... Dude, we got... I mean, you might be surprised to learn Lincoln, Nebraska got Raising Cane's a long, long time ago. Oh, I know. So that was kind of like when we were in college, that that was um, that was the easy go-to. Columbus, Ohio has Raising Cane's as well. Uh, there's a, a Florida-based chain called PDQ that started in Tampa that does, does, does chicken fingers pretty well. I had that in Austin. It was okay. I think the ones in Austin failed, but yeah. it's a good place. Yeah, it's all right, but it's it's still it's no it Raising Cane's. It took forever for Lincoln to get Chick-fil-A, though, so we were way behind on that. Yeah, well, there's, there's one in Mobile that's sort of – only mobile in the surrounding areas called Fusaklis. Okay. And it's just got a great name because it's fun to say Fusaklis. But it's like good. It's, it's on it's on the Raising Cane's level. So you okay. know, I, I, I'm not a, a huge Zaxby's fan. It's crazy you don't have canes, man. I'm so sorry to hear that. It's okay. I'll I'll survive. I, I will. We we have <laughs> we do have 19 Chick-fil-A's. But no, I my man Sam Thompson loves it and I'm cool with that because I, I appreciate a 5'9", 290-pound center. If that's his order, if that's his go-to spot in Conway, South Carolina, I can respect that. People, you know, I think the average fan probably doesn't understand uh, the incredible sacrifices that uh, these linemen must make to try and get to 300, you know? That's right. That's right. You got you to keep going. Keep pounding. We're going to keep pounding. We got another episode on Wednesday. Another episode on Friday, and Ari Wasserman finally has to pay off a bet. I didn't lose this time. I had Michigan. He had Minnesota. So he has to chug some sort of dark beer, and apparently that's going to cause some sort of eruption, which I cannot he wait to, to see. He has to chug a dark beer? That is, mean, he, said, he said it's like me eating mayo. Oh, I think he may have played you on that one. Oh, I think he had. I think he did, too. I saw it, But I told him I'd... Uh, for sympathy, I would also drink one. I might sip it though. Okay, All I right. could chug it if I want then to. Then you went to. I have no issues with chugging it, but you know, I might just sip it just just for fun, just to torture him a little bit. But yeah, we got that in the feed on Monday. You'll have me and David Ubbins show football and grits. That's the SEC podcast. Uh, you got Power Hour with Nicole Auerbach on Tuesday. It's going to be a very, very, as our friend Phil Steele would say, Max jam packed week. 
Absolutely. Uh, by the, by the way, Cincinnati's blown out SMU. Oh yes, I meant to say that. So yes, as we were recording, Cincinnati has opened up a a can of whoop ass in this fourth quarter. This was a close game. This was a really good game most of the way. Uh, But Cincinnati, as SMU went off tonight, yeah, as SMU has tried to get back into the game, Cincinnati just keeps making it worse and worse on them. So uh, yeah, the Bearcats are good. They are real good. Shout out to the top Ken Bearcat cats. Can yeah, we do absolutely. a Cincinnati BYU? See, I don't know. I don't want to do the the all group of five New Year's Six Bowl, but Cincinnati BYU would be a fun game. I, yeah, I hated when they would do that with Fiesta Bowls or something. Yeah, right, let's 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 each ha- let's each have them play a Power Five team. I'm I'm good with that. Like if yeah, let's get let's get the. Uh, I like that. I like that. Yeah, we Cincinnati's gotta- good, man. They could. The, 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 I, this this AAC race is really fun, but uh, I think Cincinnati's uh, here to stay. I think so, too. Well, we hope you stay with us throughout the week here on the Andy Staples Show. We also hope you subscribe to The Athletic. That's right. The best sports writing on the planet, and for a limited time, it is $1 a month for your first six months. And oh, by the way, when you're a subscriber to The Athletic, you can listen to this show ad-free anytime you want to. So you get... All the best college football coverage, the best NFL coverage, Major League Baseball, NBA, international soccer, you name it, we got it. $1 a month for your first six months. Go to theathletic.com slash Andy Staples to subscribe. That's theathletic.com slash A-N-D-Y-S-T-A-P-L-E-S. And by the way, even if you're not subscribing to The Athletic, you can subscribe to this podcast and download it for free on iTunes, on Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, leave a review. We like constructive criticism. We like five-star reviews, too, whatever you want. But thank you for listening, and we will talk to you again very, very soon.